You may be seated. And today, instead of having you read along um, the Exodus, our scripture verse today, I'm going to read it. It's rather long. And maybe if I lose my voice, then I can stop. I don't know. Um, The scripture lesson today is taken from Exodus 16, chapters 19 through 31. Then Moses told them, do not keep any of it until morning. But some of them didn't listen and kept some of it until morning. But by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Moses was very angry with them. After this, the people gathered the food morning by morning, each family according to its need. And as the sun became hot, the flakes they had not picked up melted and disappeared. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much as usual, four quarts for each person instead of two. Then all the leaders of the community came and asked Moses for an explanation. He told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. So they put some aside until morning, just as Moses had commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good without maggots or odor. Moses said, eat this food today, for today is a Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today. We may gather the food for six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground that day. Some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. The Lord asked Moses, How long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? Maybe 2,000 years. Um, They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. That is why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day, so there will be enough for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must each stay in your place. You do not go out to pick up food on the seventh day. So the people did not gather any food on the seventh day. The Israelites called the food manna. It was white like coriander seed, and it tasted like honey wafers. This is the word of God for all God's people. Sandy's going to share the word with us today, the message. Good morning, church. Hi, Pastor Floyd. I know you're watching. Thank you for offering this opportunity for me to share God's word. And what we just heard about the Israelites, you know, Old Testament reading. Today is such a privilege that we get to experience 
the holy mystery of communion. Sue and I recently attended a Saturday workshop, lay servant training, on the sacraments of Holy Communion and Baptism at Collins United Methodist Church. That, of course, our homework was to transcend into practice and application of the learning that was taught and go beyond to surpass, you know, it's practical homework like a practicum. So therefore, we're doing that in his place. The elements were consecrated via Facebook. Welcome to the 21st century. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) we're in it. We all shared, all the lay servants, we all shared how each of our churches celebrates communion and how often and the possibility of more. You know, the Catholic Church does it every week. The Methodist, most, a lot of us were just discussing we did it once a month and a few of the churches said we're doing it twice a month, they're doing it more because the power that you connect to is more than awesome. Our church just recently is taking back worship to Keystone Point. We are the first church to pounce on when they offered it open again. So our rotation schedule has changed. So it's like LaGrange Methodist Church is kind of first of the month. And pastor wants to offer Holy Communion to the people, which is so so holy. It's like the Lord keeps pointing out to me today that he wants to remind us of the triune God, the three in one. And they talked about it at our workshop. We've been talking about it on our Tuesday night Bible study. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Connected in different, in different roles. Praise God. Oh, and they're also looking for one more church for Keystone Point, like a, a non-denominational church to answer the people's needs there. So they're hoping a church will jump on board with that rotation. Our sacraments are a true encounter with Christ. And this is one of the two books we had when we were at our workshop. The other one was baptism, so we're celebrating the communion today. And and God wanted me to truly focus on that. And whenever I got distracted, he would be like, focus on that. But it takes me to a time, you know, the lion is present takes me to that time when we had that Aldersgate connection with the Methodist Church going to Lexington, Kentucky, and I went with Liz and Anita from Parma Ridgewood Church, and uh, Liz drove. You know, when you think of Aldersgate, the Lord was showing me, you know, gate. You enter through the gate. And my husband had just recently passed away when I went on that trip, and I needed such a connection with the Lord. But I thought, oh, I don't know, going on a trip. But it ended up being exactly what I needed, to be in the such strong presence of the Lord with all those people, a lot of them pastors, most of them. And it was truly a, a huge blessing, and the lion was present. For during that praise service, the last one... The praise band lady, who had been awesome all the days in the band, said, we have to stop. 
everyone got quiet because she said, the lion is present and hovering over this facility, this building. Well, yeah, he was there the whole time, but the presence was there. In other words, it's a very strong power that, you know, over all those pastors and the United Methodist Church that was there. A lot of things have changed that's bringing us to tears. But we're going to work through this with the church. And when you think about the gate, and I saw these yellow, I was telling Vicki, these yellow programs today, and like, Jesus was the sheep gate. And then, you know, the golden gate, the eastern gate. It made me think of, and there's National Day of Prayer right there. Alders Gate. We enter by the gate much more than we exit. But we're encouraged, you know, that lion can also, it's a matter of perspective because it can go the other way where it's the presence of evil. Watch out for the presence of evil. When my husband passed away, we had this huge hawk, which we've had in the neighborhood for a long time. It was outside Larry's, our window, sitting right there, staring back in. And I felt like, I said, Larry, this is giving me the creeps. And he said, I'm not worried about it. But I felt like we were to be on guard. And my son that same day said, Mom, we've got this hawk standing on our swing set for a long time staring in at the windows and same thing happened to him you know those predators are out there phone calls media they're out there so we were to be on guard so the lion also means it can be a presence of you know when the lion is walking around the jungle all the other animals are at risk that roar and they all take cover but in this instance the lion is protecting us Jesus is referred to as the lion. Majestic, stealth, or death, but to prepare. In Revelations 5.5, one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. God manifests his power in different ways throughout the Bible, and the lion has been used in a symbolic way to understand the unique attributes of God. We've been talking about the attributes of God in our Bible study on Tuesday night, our Zoom Bible study. To show us just how powerful and strong the lion is to save us. He's here to save us. In Hosea 11.10, They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. It is that symbol of protection. The strength to overcome. It's a quality of God. As we live through this difficult, sin-tainted world. We had the vision of being under surveillance, you know, of the heavenly powers. And so are we here, for his presence is here in this church. He guarantees our safety and protection because this is a battle. The eastern gate, the golden gate, the rebuilding gate, we're about to rebuild. Is Things keep changing over time. Biblically, a place of great significance when you hear of the gate. 
venturing into an unknown place, enter by the gate. There's a lot of reference to portals lately. TV, books, movies. I recently had an opportunity. It had been three years since I went anywhere on any trip, and, and I love to go on trips. And my husband said to our family, keep going on trips for me. We got dis- distinct orders from Larry. He liked to go experience new things. And I got to go with my son Matt's family, and we went to Orlando, Florida, and we visited Harry Potter World at Universal, which Universal has two parks now, which are really about the size of Cedar Point combined, and you can park hop and such with the Harry Potter train, but we didn't do that. But we were at the old Universal Studios, and the way I wanted to go there, and this trip was like a deja vu trip. We went back to the timeshare where Larry and I used to go with the family for 10 years on Thanksgiving week. So it was, I was walking around the resort a lot, the old place where we stayed, taking a lot of pictures and just taking it all in. And at Universal, we had taken my parents there, and my parents loved it because Charlie Chapman walked by and kind of sat down next to my mom, and she was laughing and smiling so big. So that going back there was a wonderful trip. Portals, and there was a portal there. You couldn't really find the Harry Potter world, but there was this insignificant, like, wall, this place where I kind of walked through, and I said, Matt, bring the kids over here. Didn't say Harry Potter world is in here. It's just like the, sh- the books and the, and the movies. I kind of walked in there, and there were a lot of people, great crowds in there. And I had a nun once tell me, Sister Marie Ellen from St. Mary, she and I were friends, she said, you know, a lot of people, and being a teacher, they're telling their kids don't read those Harry Potter books, and I've said this to, before to people, but she said it's all a matter of perspective because it's a battle of good and evil, which is what we're all in, and God is in those books if you pay attention because it's the good. Remember the lie in the witch of the wardrobe? There's the same thing. Battle of good and evil is such as all of life, but with God present... And he is. You take that perspective with, with you in everything we, we experience. Do we allow access to boldly go and open new doors of opportunity in Christ? The kids are about to go and the chaperones. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Death is swallowed up in victory. There's eternal life. Christ Christ came to be the lamb, the perfect lamb, to give that to us. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. I've put that on my own phone recently. It pops up every day that in, when you're in the present, and I love to see that in the morning when I wake up, and my phone goes, you know, ping, ding, and I look at it and it says, when you're in the presence of Jesus, it's Easter every day. For it is Christmas and Easter carried throughout the entire year. Without Christmas, there wouldn't be Easter Jesus was born. Whew. 
he's risen. We saw it up there. The tomb was empty. He didn't stay dead. He folded those bed, those clothes, and he's, that meant he was coming back. He's coming back. We're going to be entering today with Holy Communion into his presence, the sheep gate. In the entrance, you know, the sheep gate was the entrance to the temple. Jesus is the sheep gate. He wept over that city when he entered on Palm Sunday. The sin. And Nehemiah 3 was about the sheep gate. He also wept in the garden. He wept when his friend Lazarus died, and they said, you didn't come soon enough, but he knew he could still do something about it. But he still wept that, he wept that his friend Lazarus had experienced that. It was six days before Easter when he wept at Palm Sunday coming in on that, that donkey. And he knew it was to come when he entered that gate, that sinful city. We only get glimpses of heaven on this earth. There's a book called Glimpses of Heaven. I've read that. That's a good book. Isaiah 53, 5, Jesus was the perfect lamb, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Our peace was upon him. We had to get your peace from him. And we're healed eternally. You know, I went to a funeral home this week. One of our teachers at St. Mary's Out previous art teacher, she's retired now, lost her husband, and I went to the funeral home in Avon, and I saw her husband, Tom, and I'm like, well, that's just the body, and I said, Tom, boy, are you young again, an eternal life, wow, and I'm thinking all this, and I walked over to look at their pictures, and I'm like, yeah, there were some motorcycles, and there were dogs, and all kinds of fun family pictures, and I was just saying out loud, I think he's got a Harley now. On a younger body, and I think one of her nephews, long beard, and kind of a new age guy was standing there. He goes, yeah, you got to believe whatever you believe, whatever you want to believe. And I'm listening to him, and he's quoting these phrases that didn't make an ounce of sense, but I kind of was like smiling about, Tom's got a Harley. A new body in Christ, a spiritual body that's not sick with MS and COVID that he got at the end. But I said, I think it's a Harley. And I, I felt led to say this. It just came out of my mouth, as sometimes it does. And I said to him, well, kind of sideways, if you can't play with the big dogs, stay on the porch. And I walked away, and he goes, I never heard that one. I said it again. And I'm like, yeah. And I knew what I believed, you know, and I thought, well, when you figure it out, you'll figure it out. He cares for us. He carries our burdens. He truly is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Hebrews 4.15, his tears are a reminder that he loves sinners and cares for every soul. So those three times he wept, and there's more times Jesus wept, but it was John 11.35, it was Luke 19.41, and it was Hebrews 5.7-9. As I see Sue writing. And then the Lord revealed to me a poem a pastor was inspired to use it in his sermon, but it was a poem written by Christina Joy Holmes, H-O-M-M-E-S. And the words are wonderful, and it's from that series, Enjoy the Journey. For we do have to enjoy today. Celebrate today. I asked the Lord to give me love, his love for souls in sin. Instead, he gave me weeping eyes, a broken heart within 
I asked him why he gave me tears. He took me back in time to when my Savior lived on earth, when he was in his prime. I saw him go to where his friend was lying in a grave. The sisters and their friends were grieved what love to them he gave. You see, my Savior standing there was also grieved that day. He wept great heaving tears and sobs till those who saw could say, Behold, we see now how he loved. His tears revealed his heart. His love was evident through tears. I saw God's point in part. And then he took me to the day the people hailed their king while Jesus enters to their cheers, the children run and sing. But when he saw Jerusalem stretched out before his eye, his soul was moved with grief for them. It moved his heart to cry. Oh, as I, as I read these solemn words, I feel they are sweet, for in them I behold his love so perfect and complete. To one more place he took me now, at midnight I beheld, the Son of God bowed down with grief, in deepest sorrow held. I heard him weeping strong and deep, but through it I discerned. He prayed for me, it melted me, his love for me I learned. With tearful joy I thanked the Lord for answering my prayer, for giving me his love for souls, his tears, his heart, his care. There's a principle, a basic principle about truth, law, and or assumption. We learned it in our course. Holy communion is an expression of our oneness in the body of Christ, anticipating Jesus. An invitation to feast at the heavenly banquet and calls us to strive for the visible unity of the church. So our church right now, the Methodist Church, has to remember Holy Communion in this battle, in this disunity. It sustains and empowers us on our journey when we partake of it. We are called to be church. We have opportunities to be church. He's watching to see, are they going to be church? You know how we justify when we don't have to be. And, but we have resurrection power. Look at the words of that song by Chris Tomlin. It's on my phone. I love that song. I was playing it for the past two days solid, just again and again and again. The words to Chris's song, I have resurrection power. Please don't dismiss how our reaction should be to make sure we extend our mission beyond these walls. What we can be called to do, such as remember the kids want to go. That's what we're all about. We're teaching that. They stood up here and now they're going to go. Take Christ to the people and even more so witness Christ in action beyond teaching experienced here. They're going on that mission trip. My husband loved to go on mission trips. Pastor Floyd has been on innumerable mission trips to take God out beyond the walls. But our mission is to make disciples of Christ, to live lovingly and justly. It's hard. We stumble and fall, but we're going to get up and keep trying. Participation in Eucharist bears fruit in the world in attitudes and actions of personal and social holiness. It reminds us of stewardship. 
Grant that we may, Lord, go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves to others. We gratefully receive God's abundant grace, and we accept our responsibility and accountability in the world and the coming of the realm of Christ. This necklace that I'm wearing uh, was made by a, a Sioux Indian woman. I got it when we went on the mission trip. I wear it a, a lot out to Pine Ridge uh, Indian Reservation in South Dakota. Larry was one of the drivers, and Chris was one of the drivers from Avon Methodist Church. We had two huge vans full of teenagers, and we were chaperones, and Larry did most of the driving and was very good at it. Loved heading out with the kids. It broke, and then it was the lady had used a very dry type of a product that she strung the beads on, and the beads were so tiny, and it broke over the time, and then I had one of the teachers at St. Mary's who was a jewelry fashion, and she knew how to make jewelry, and she said, I can fix that for you, and she put, you know, elastic on there. You know how it is, you take off your sweater and stuff, break your necklace all the time. Happens to me all the time, Joan, we were talking about that. And the cross is the same. I'll never forget that lady. I said, I'm going to buy that necklace. The past is past. The future is in the future. But today is the gift of the present. Amen.